it's Hazel. It's Azura. And I'm Jermaine. And welcome back to another episode of Cleverty's Hash Podcast. Girls, today's episode excites me. I'm so excited. Okay, but before I tell you what we're going to be talking about, I have a question for you girls. Okay. okay. What is your greatest fear? Oh, ghosts. Ghosts, oh, yes. Really? So yeah. now, like the, ooh, the, the month of the... Ooh, yes, yes, okay, yes. Okay, yes. okay, okay, okay. I saw a ghost in Mediacorp. Oh my yep. gosh. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, yeah, you told us yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Zura? Mm, not living my life to its fullest. Wow! Oh, very Zura. Well, my greatest fear, two. Two of my greatest fear. One, heights. The oh. second one, being burnt. Huh? Oh, yeah. like I being like burnt alive or being burnt? Yeah, like being alive burnt alive. alive. Like, you know, like my body covered in flames and stuff. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think that's so painful and so mm. scary. Mm. Okay, ghosts. Not uh, living your life to the fullest. Mm. A heights and a fire. Mm. Okay, do we fear this more than death? Yes, I don't fear death at all. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, ghosts are scarier. Okay. I don't think about death leh. Wow. Oh. Well, very, very brave okay. woman here. What about you? Okay. Um, I don't fear death at all. Mm. Mm. Not for me either. Okay, okay, this is very interesting because this is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. We're in black today for a reason, right? Yes. We are going to be having a dialogue. Oh, Get it? Dialogue. <laughs> can laugh or not this one? Can laugh, can, can, can. Nobody died so we can laugh. Well, I feel like a lot of Singaporeans, we, growing up from young, we are told to like, you know, not talk about death at all. Whenever I mention something like about dying, my parents would go like, toy, 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 yeah. touch wood, oh. touch wood, you know. So we are conditioned to not speak about death. Mm. And even on air, if we talk about these situations, you know, we have to manage it carefully. Mm. We have to make sure we don't put it um, so negatively such mm. that it, you know, dampens the spirits of our listeners. And that's I think true. that that's for a very good reason. But yeah. do you think that we are not talking about death more than we should? But I feel that you know, when it comes to death, right, it really depends. Like, if you are in a situation where you've had a close family member um, go through some sort of health problems, then you have to confront death. But if everyone mm. is in tip-top shape, why would you suddenly at a dinner table just say, like, what if we die one day? You know, who actually mm. does that? That is why it's so important to talk about death, especially when we're all healthy. Oh. Okay, Because what? it can happen anytime, anywhere. And without you knowing. Right. Mm. So let's go into that a bit later. But for now, a study done in 2019 by a research company revealed Singaporeans' greatest fears. Oh! Okay. Just want to mention goals. Yes. Uh, not living a life to the fullest extent. Yes. Based on this study, mm. more people are afraid of cockroaches huh? than dying. I, can I cannot believe it. I can relate. What? Because... I can catch cockroaches for you. I fear cockroaches. Like, if they fly and hit you in the face... Yeah, I'd rather die. My God. <laughs> Just kill me. <laughs> okay, so apart from cockroaches, what are some of their greatest fear? Drowning. Mm-hmm. A fire. Oh, that's okay. you, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's me. Uh, reptiles. What? Germs. Ger- oh. Germs, okay. COVID. Okay, okay well, COVID. Uh, sure, sure, I understand. Hi, hey, another of my greatest fear on the charts. Mm. Death itself. Okay, mm, th- yeah. that's one of their greatest fear. Mm. Goals. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, you won't believe the next one. Public speaking. <gasps> Okay, well, I feel like for us in our mm. line of profession, maybe we don't understand this, but mm. there must be some people out there who's scared to death about speaking on a public it's stage, correct, right? Correct. Like literally to death? Yeah. To death. <laughs> okay. To death. Spiders. Mm-hmm. Okay. What? Cluster of holes? Oh, me. Trypophobia. Oh my god. You know when it's like... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's very disgusting. Like, it's gross. like, yeah. but really? A greatest fear? Yeah. Okay, what about enclosed spaces? Claustrophobia. Yeah, yeah. that's it. <laughs> Dentist. Oh, oh. oh maybe you okay. need a handsome so. dentist. Handsome dentist. Yeah. Oh, it's true. Yeah, I think it's a childhood thing. And some people is they're very afraid of the. Mm, 
Oh, sound, yeah, sound. Yeah. Okay, the last two things on this charts: loneliness and darkness. Oh, sorry. Why are y'all not afraid of living your life to the fullest? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> That's not fear of anyone. Why are y'all not? Afraid? It's very scary. Yeah, I mean, like you yeah. think about death; it could happen tomorrow. And then what if you don't get to do the things that you want to? Exactly. Mm. Exactly. So. Although death, right, is not something that many Singaporeans would feel like ourselves, mm. but there really is a stigma about talking about it. So, um, casual conversations, you know, we don't want to bring the doom and the gloom into the dinner table, like we mentioned just yeah. now. Mm. I think people think like it's very pantang. Yeah. To talk about death, it's like you are asking to die or something like that. Right. But you're not lah. I think it's important to have these conversations because um, because we don't have them, right, when we were young. And then when it hits you once you, you know, enter a certain age... I think all of us have experienced like death of close ones. Mm. You don't know how to regulate it. Exactly. You don't know how to manage it and you don't know how to talk about it and you don't know what to do with it. Okay, let me be clear. I'm not afraid of dying, but I am afraid of death because I can sit here right, and think about like my parents dying one day and I'll just start crying. You're afraid so, of losing people you love. Yeah. Right. I'm afraid of them dying, but me, myself, like I, I don't feel that fear. Well, I think that is the topic that we are going to be uh, delving into today. Death upon ourselves. Mm. Right. Mm. So, um, we are not afraid of death, but have we had any like near-death experiences that's happened to you? Maybe like car accidents. Okay. I've been in like a few car accidents. Right, you told me, especially the one overseas, right? Yeah, yeah the one overseas where mm. it hit me from oh. the side. I mean, mm. not like I was very injured or anything, but mm. I think a lot of people, you know, lose their lives in car accidents mm. and all that. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. What about you? Well, for me, when I was 14, mm. I got dengue fever. Oh, and yes. I, I tell you, that week, I really thought I was going to die. Not kidding, not kidding. Like, I went to the clinic five times in a week and every day they took blood out of me trying to test why is this girl experiencing such high fever and, like, what is happening? So they tested for everything except dengue because they didn't think it's going to be dengue. Until the fifth day, rashes started to appear on my face, like, right. my forehead, everywhere. And, and that's when the doctors were like, oh my gosh, that's a symptom of dengue. Right. Took my blood again tested for dengue and that's when it turned out positive sent me to the hospital immediately can you imagine oh like gosh. lying on my bed for five days straight just not knowing what the hell was happening why am I having such a high fever my bones were aching mm. from the inside uh, that kind of like mm. dull sore ache it was terrible I thought like I was just gonna say bye bye to everybody I was especially nice to my brother that week oh my god Really? No, I've heard like dengue, right? The pain of dengue is worse than the pain of COVID. Yes, 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 yeah. definitely. You don't want to like mess with dengue. It's, wow. it's way worse. And wow. for me, how that affected me, I remember when I was 14 and I thought I was going to die, I just felt like I should be treating my family members nicer. I should not lose mm. patience with my mom. Mm. You know, since I'm going to go already, I must give them the best time. Can you not say this kind of thing? You see? You see? <laughs> so this is a typical like stigma that revolves around talking about death. Correct. I think my only near-death experience mm. was so I, I used to cycle quite a bit, right? Right. <laughs> actually, I... Yes, I actually stopped cycling as much because of this incident. So basically what happened was because um, I, I do a road bike so I go on the roads. I know a lot of you find people like me irritating. Yes. No, no, no. I'm a very <laughs> good cyclist. I... Very conscious of my road rules. Anyway, okay. so I had just left my place. I literally was heading towards the route that I usually do. It's very near my house. So there's a slip road, right? That mm. goes into the main road. So I was obviously on the main road. And there was a cab coming out of the slip road. Mm. And obviously, he thought that he was going to be faster than I was. Or he could escape before I came. But yeah. because I was going at a pretty fast speed. So actually, he didn't have time. So he came out. And I was right there. <gasps> it was like a 1cm between the wheels. <gasps> 
I got so scared. Like, I got so scared that usually, like, I mean, like, it's normal that you fall, that kind of thing, right? And I would carry on. But that's why I got so scared that I went back home. Like, right away. I couldn't. Um, I got really, really scared because I saw it, like, right in front of you. Yeah. Like, your life flashed in front oh, of your eyes. Oh. And, and it's, it's really, like, very dangerous, like, mm. when you cycle. So, when I was 14, um, I had a friend whose dad uh, was cycling, um, hit a rock on the road, flew off his bike, hit his head, <gasps> went into a coma, and died one week later. Oh when she God. was 14. Do you think they would have talked about death before that? No. Mm. She lost like one of the people that she loved the most just like that overnight. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And I think that really impacted her. So do you think it's necessary for us to speak about death when we're still healthy? Because accidents can happen anytime and take away our loved ones before we even know it. Mm-hmm. What if we don't know what our parents want for mm. their, say, funeral, even though mm. as pantang as it is to like talk mm. about it, you know, we're not wishing death upon them by speaking about it. We mm. just want to understand how they would want their funeral to be processed. So like my mom, mm. she tells me actively, she say, Meme, next time when I die, I want what for my funeral. <gasps> she yeah. just tells you that? She tells me that and I was the one to, toy, 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 mom, don't say things like that. Yeah. But after growing up a bit more, I actually recognise the importance about speaking about it. Mm. What do you think? Because it will happen someday. Right. Okay, like when it comes to fur- funeral processions, I feel like as a parent, you know, it's, it's, it's like your will. You should just go and get it done, you know, yeah. with a lawyer or with whoever and then have it set. But not like tell your kids like, oh, this is what I want at my funeral. That's how I feel. Like even when I talk to my dad and I look at, you know, over the decades, like, yo, he's got white hair, yeah. more wrinkles, like getting older. And sometimes I would tell him like, you know, you know, one day, like, you're not going to be on this earth anymore. Then I will start crying. Mm. And then he'll be like, no, like, I'm so healthy. I have so many good years left in me. I think he also doesn't want to approach about that it. topic. Right, mm. yeah. right, right. Because right. it's sad. Yes. And recently, I think my dad may have um, gone out to whatever that place is called to, like, buy the... Columbarium. In- yeah, right, right. Um, in Chinese, we call it buy the lingwei. So oh, a buy, space, is Like it? a space for himself mm. when he passes away. So I didn't know about this, but my sister knew about it. So she came running in the kitchen where I was and started to tell me, hey, maybe you know just now that he went out to get uh, a lingwei for himself. So sad, right? How do you make you feel? I know I should speak to him about it, but I just mm. couldn't bring myself to. Actually, this just happened a few days ago prior to this recording. And I know that I, I should ask him what he wants. You know, why did he suddenly go and buy a space for himself? Is something happening? Mm. I should be speaking to him about it, but I just I just couldn't, you know. It pains me to do so. Mm. But that's exactly what this whole episode is about, isn't it? So based on this study by the Conservation Project, Mm -hmm. 90% of people say that talking with their loved ones about end-of-life care is important. But in fact, how many have actually done so? Only 27%. I'm part of that population that doesn't belong in the 27% because I couldn't Mm. bring myself to do it. Mm. But it's not even just like, oh, when you're in your middle age or you're at a senior age, you should talk about it. Technically... All of us must have, you know, some sort of, like, inkling. But even though, like, we don't know, like, oh, at our end of life, what do we want? Like, I can't tell you what I want right now, but as in the fact of matter is, it could happen to anyone any day. Exactly, Mm. exactly. So, this is actually something that I want to share with our listeners and with you guys. This is written by Sean Lim for Rice Media. So, um, there's this associate professor, AP, his name is um, Tan Kok Yang. So, he remembers this time he broke a 
prognosis to his patient, mm. this 80-year-old man with advanced stomach cancer mm. and his family. So the cancer had already spread to other parts of his body because it's advanced, right? And things were not looking good for this 80-year-old man. He only had six months to leave. So imagine the situation. All three parties were gathered in Prof Tan's clinic mm. and the elderly man, he was intelligent, obviously. He knew like what was up with his mm. body and stuff. And Prof Tan had examined him and explained the reason why he was doing it. But the family of this elderly man says that, oh, you know what? Um, uh, our father does not need to know about the diagnosis. <gasps> you know, you can, we, can we have our father leave the room? Prof Tan, you just let us know. And this professor, he felt very strongly against it. Mm. He feels like the patient has the right to know what's happening with his body. Yeah. Why are you not letting your father know about his mm. situation? But the family insisted, say, no, prof, just let us know. Let our father leave the room. And the father actually looked at the doctor, looked at the professor. He understood what was going on. Mm. He sighed. He said, it's okay. I don't have to know. I'll leave the room. And he left the room, you know. What? That is so sad. And the, the doctor just told the family about like what's going on. And I don't think the family eventually told the poor old man that he only had six months to leave. Wow. That's so weird that you wouldn't let the patient themselves know. But you know, recently on air, I've spoken about a similar issue. And mm. so many listeners texted in saying that they have like similar experiences once and they didn't let their loved ones know that they were suffering from cancer. That poor grandmother, just down to the last few months of her life, still didn't know that she was suffering from cancer. Do you think that's fair? Well, some people feel like it makes the patient more optimistic and therefore have a longer oh, time on earth. Okay. I think I understand that they probably want to like care for their feelings, for their mental health, you know, like just want to cushion the blow for them and take care of how they're feeling. But let's say the person knows, right, that you've got a certain amount of time, doesn't that allow them to also do things that they want to? Exactly. But on the other hand, they may feel very dejected that mm. they only have a few months left and as a result... Deteriorate may, their health yes, further. And they may die even sooner. Right. Actually, I know of someone. So um, her grandma was very, very sick and like on deathbed. You know, mm. like really in the next one week could die anytime. And on her deathbed her relatives were arguing, two groups of her relatives were arguing whether to hold a Buddhist or a Christian funeral. Okay. Literally, while this grandma was like on her deathbed, they're arguing in the hospital and shouting at each other because she grew up Buddhist, but towards the end of her life, I think she maybe... Converted? Yeah, converted mm. to Christianity. But she can't speak for herself in that state, mm. right? And then because they never discussed that openly, mm. they were fighting in front of her. Yeah. That's worse. Exactly. Mm. Well, so I feel like such situations can be avoided if we speak about death openly. Mm. As much as many Asian families do not like to go into that. Yeah. But mm. when do you girls think is the right time to talk about death? There will never be a right time. Mm -hmm. And you might always be too late, you know? Because mm. things happen. And maybe a lot of us, we feel like, oh, you know, when the time comes, we'll talk about it. Or, you know, I'm still very young and healthy now. I'll talk about it in my, in my 50s. But you may not make it there. Right. Let me put it this way. Like, in 2019, would anyone have thought that a pandemic would come and take away millions of lives? Exactly. exactly. No one would have thought that. Mm. Even the healthiest of people, because there was no vaccine then, no one had antibodies, anyone could have died, mm -hmm. you know, from COVID at the early stages. Mm. And if you never had that conversation, I think that, you know, to make that sort of split medical decision when you are hanging on for your life... Mm. 
uh, th- that's very tough to do. And what makes things worse is that, you know, during the COVID situation, you mm. cannot enter hospitals. Exactly. Yeah. You can't even see your loved ones. Right. Yeah. When my grandmother passed away, it was during SARS. SARS, okay. Wow, yeah. 2009. No. 2002. 2003. Yeah. Three. Okay. Correct. So it was that period which also meant that barely anyone could go up to the hospital mm. or, you know, it was like a limited number kind of thing. But I think at that point, because she, it was very immediate, we brought her in that same night she passed. Um, so at some point, I think the doctors had said like, gather everybody but nobody could go up yeah. like you can gather them downstairs but I think it was only like towards the end that they allowed like two at a time but there was no time la. and because I was a child right I was like nine or something so they had to smuggle me up through the stairs eh. to the stairs? through the stairs of the hospital okay. to go and see her oh. did you see her? I did okay. mm. Things, oh. situations like that that are unpredictable. Right. And have you guys heard of this Malaysian singer who dies of COVID Mm. days after giving birth? (gasps) So she was eight months pregnant, Mm. but she experienced low oxygen levels because she contracted COVID from her family mate. Mm. So she was put into an induced coma so that her baby could be delivered via surgery. Mm. The baby was saved, but Mm. she never got to hold the baby. Oh my gosh. And what's worse is her three other children didn't even get to have a chance to have last words with her. Mm. Nobody thought that she would die because... Mm. COVID, nobody expected COVID, that's for one. And secondly, she's very young. And even her husband, who's also a comedian, Mm. uh, only got to have like one last conversation with her and that's via video call. Mm. How sad is that? Actually, the saddest thing about this, right, was that I saw a video that when she passed, because everybody was on this news, right, because she had been in the hospital for like a week at this point or something, when she passed, her kids found out through the television. Oh my god! And they were wailing and I think they were asking like, is it true? Because they are very young. They are like 6, 8, 10 kind of thing. And they saw it on the news first. Oh my gosh. This is so heartbreaking. So like, could this be avoided if parents, you know, at um, a very young age, talk to their kids about this? About I know, dying? About yeah. dying. I know many kids find it frightening. Like, you know, the thought of death scares them so much but what if we change the approach to tell them about it correct because don't you think that some kids actually they know about it and but it's being used against them have you heard of things like parents going yeah you continue doing this when I'm not around and you know you know it's being like used as a scare tactic I feel right or like you keep doing this I will die Okay, so this article, okay, written by someone called Michelle Knox, mm. it's called Talk About Death While You're Still Healthy. Okay. I think it may enlighten us, okay, what to do when death knocks on your door. Okay, number one, talking about and planning your death can help you experience a good death and reduce the stress on your loved ones. I feel okay. like these four words are very important. Experience a good death. Maybe we never thought that death can be good, but mm. maybe it actually can. In Chinese, we always say, when, when people die, 痛苦的是活着的人. So only the people leaving are still suffering because mm-hmm. the person right. who's died is already gone. Yeah. So how can we make this situation better? I think For the answer them. is to yeah talk about it when mm. all of us are still healthy and living. Yeah, I think it is like we mentioned before, you know, it's about like funeral arrangements or like your will and things like that to settle all that, you know, while you're still healthy, while you still can talk. And, and you're able to think for yourself and then your family won't have that stress and pressure of having to decide for you. Mm. Yeah, or so fight over money and things like that. Oh gosh. Yeah. So basically you're saying it's like the admin matters of it. Exactly, yeah, mm. definitely. Um, but not a lot of people would think, oh, I'm going to do this while I'm healthy. Unless like, you have a lot of assets, then yeah, mm. okay, go and make a will. But most people will only think of doing this if they have some sort of diagnosis. Mm. Yeah, But maybe we need to consider 
talking about that at an earlier stage. That's very true. So I remember when I was 12, my grandpa is dying of lung cancer mm. and he had to be put on tubes and all of that. Mm. And I remember at that age, my dad told me, Mei Mei, next time if I'm like this, right, just let me go. I don't want to be like that. And at that point, I was so scared. I, I told my dad, no, dad, you won't die. Don't talk about this kind of thing. Mm. But fact is, everyone dies. Yeah. So I actually appreciate it that he told me. And I remember it too, this very day. Mm. He does not want to be put on tubes. Mm. Just let him go. But how young is too young? And how do you introduce it? And is it just the admin matters? Or do you also talk about what to do with that feelings? You know, when someone that you love passes... Well, I've read that, you know, you can talk about your kids about this situation in a non-frightening way. For example, mm. you know, flowers grow and they wilt. Mm -hmm. You mm. can use this as sort of like a, a leading topic yeah. Yeah, to, to tell your kids, you know, this is a normal cycle of life, which in fact, it really is. Yeah, And in fact, I think, you know, talking about death and having them understand that concept of death, that also helps in the grieving process. Because then you know what to expect. Because if you've never considered death before and you have to grieve mm. it's like wow it's gonna smack you in the face overwhelming yeah. mm. man overwhelming this is another interesting thing that I want to introduce to you girls mm. what if I told you there was a cafe in Singapore where you could drink coffee and talk to strangers about death wow would you visit this cafe sure. I mean why not sounds interesting sounds interesting hush hush <laughs> <laughs> good idea good idea so this is actually called a death cafe. Very okay. literal, wow. okay? This is a group-directed discussion of death with no agenda, no objectives at all. So this is developed in 2011 by this fellow called John Underwood and his mother, based off the ideas of Bernard Crezet. How do you pronounce the word? Bernard Cretez, okay. a Swiss sociologist and anthropologist. So there are apparently more than 14,000 death cafes in 81 countries around the world. Right. My gosh. Oh my god. And I've never heard of death cafe till this ne episode. Same. Never. I think since 2015, mm -hmm. this financial consultant started organising informal meetings at various cafes around our little red dot to discuss death. Because, you know, it's a very important topic to them, financial consultants. Right. That's true. I guess, like, you know, when you talk about death, like, in a home setting, like, over home dinner, that feels weird. Right. Right? Because mm. that's not, you're not primed to talk about that. But if you're at a place where everyone is talking about it, yeah. you feel a bit more comfortable and open. Right. Yeah. So, so let's make this hush studio our death cafe today. <laughs> got food. Let's talk oh, about death. Got coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Don't okay. have coffee, but got each other. Yeah. So my question is, hypothetical question. If you were to die today, okay, you only have 24 hours left. Would you have any regrets? Yes, so many regrets. Mm. There's so many things I haven't done in my life that I well, want to do. Yeah, I did say I'm not afraid of death, mm. but I'm afraid of dying now. Because you haven't lived your life to the fullest. Exactly. Right. Yes. Exactly. But there's a lot of things that, you know, can't be rushed. For example, I want kids. It's not mm. something that I can just say, oh, I want kids and I can have it tomorrow. True. You know, it's a whole process that is beyond my control. Yeah. No, but that's like a, you wish you had been able to do that. But you won't regret it. Like, let's say if death comes and knocks on your door at like 20, you can't regret not having kids even though you really want kids at like some point in your life. You know what I mean? Mm. So what would y'all do if you knew like you had only 24 hours left to live? What would you do in that 24 hours? Guys, this is very scary for me. Huh? I think this whole episode really forces us to confront this fear and think what we really want to do. You know what I would do? I would spend it with my friends and family. But mostly, like, my, my parents. Mm. Because it's so sad to think, but it's like, in your last 24 hours, I don't want my parents to be sad. 
I don't want them to grieve. Yeah. So you give them as much as you can in those last hours. But don't you think they will think about it even more? No, but at least they managed to get whatever they could out of it. A good last memory with Mm. you. Something like that. Mm. Yeah. I have been struggling with this for a bit. Okay, like, um, receiving news of death and... I, I don't know how to process it. Maybe at a younger age, I've sort of blocked it. And because of that, when I hear it now, right, and even if it's like someone close, I don't know how to feel. And I cannot bring myself to attend funerals because I am afraid that the feelings will come up. Oh. You know what I mean? That I would have to deal with it and I don't know what to do with it. So I was 18, 19 maybe. Um, and I had a very close friend, a very close friend. Um, and we used to spend a lot of time together. And the thing about her is that um, she was born with a condition, a liver condition, of which um, for the longest time, she kept outliving the time that they gave her. Mm. So since she was young, they gave her like five years and then she outlived it. So at this point, she was a couple of years older than I was. She had been done with school. She she lived a very good life. You know, she did everything that she wanted to. But the condition was always there. And I think it elevated to a point where it was very bad lah. And that it was a liver transplant or nothing. Okay. So her brother came forward and um, donated half his liver. She went through the surgery. They were fine. Um, her, her brother recovered first. And then, you know how your body needs time to sort of... Accept the, accept the yeah. organ, right? Okay. So they, they gave it like a year or something. And I think after a year, they realised that it really was not working out. Oh. So she was in the hospital a lot. And at this point, right, I was... I came back quite often but I think once I started shuttling I think I took things for granted it felt like she'll always be there or I'll always have time or she'll always outlive that period that the doctor gave her again yeah Mm. when I should have known that it was different this time but how could you have known though because before this she, she was not spending time in the hospital she would be out most of the time and maybe just be in the hospital like once or twice a year mm. so it was okay you see but this time she was in the hospital a lot and um after they they she couldn't accept her brother's liver right so they had to find another donor of which i think they struggled with they mm. really struggled to find and i think 40 days before she passed they found um one okay and they were very hopeful about it. But I think she wasn't very hopeful about it. I think she was very happy. But she was scared to be happy because she was afraid that she would be disappointed. Mm. So it was like immediate. They found it. They said, surgery tomorrow. Okay. And then even on that day itself of the surgery, they came in and they said like, we're all good. We're good to go. And just before they cut her up, they realised that the liver was too big for her because she's small. <gasps> oh no. That was 40 days before she passed and... That was the day she started like sort of journaling and she she called it like day one, day two, day three. And you know, it's very funny because like in death, people always, it's the 40-day thing that like people speak about. Have you heard about this? Like there are some beliefs that 40 days before you pass, I think you would know. But you just cannot bring yourself to say or do anything about it. So some people, you know, after they pass and then people sit down and they think about it and they're like, oh, this person said this. Or like, oh, this person did that. It's very strange. So apparently it's that sort of concept. Okay. So there was this and then they just never managed to find another liver. Mm. And so she passed. But I had spent so little time with her at this point And I don't know why. Like it's... The more I think about it, the more ridiculous it is, right? And I was in Singapore at that time. 
but I had just left to go on holiday. I wasn't even going to school. I was on holiday. And then um, somebody had called me and said that this had happened. And I was in the car. I still remember I was in the car. My parents were driving. And I didn't know what to do with this information. I just sat there and I was like, I didn't cry. I didn't anything. I was just like, I didn't know what to do about it. And I think that affected me till today in a way where I have a lot of regrets and I feel like I cannot live my life like that. And that's why I feel like I'm very hard up on making every moment count. Although some people think like not everything has to be extra one. Not everything has to be like, oh, you know. But I think that has shifted me. Mm. Mm. That's very scary. I'm sure that impacted you a lot. Mm. And like for you to like process your feelings about it as well. And I'm sure she's remembered in a very good way. She Mm. seems like a positive girl, you know, lived her life to the fullest. But what about us? What are some things we want people to remember us for when we pass? Have we ever thought about this? I say this quite a lot, like, actually. Mm-hmm. So I tell my friends that I want to be remembered as a ball of sunshine, larger than life. You are. You are. You are. You, you will are. be. You are. <laughs> you will be. What about you, Jimmy? I think I just want to be remembered as, like, as a good person. Maybe I'm not there yet, but I want people to remember me, like, as a good friend, a good daughter, you know, a good partner, whatever it is. Like, you are a good Someone friend. that impacted you in a, in a positive way. Yeah. You have impacted me positively yeah. many times. Just like good memories, mm-hmm. you know? Just good memories, mm. yeah. I feel like I want people to remember me for the good times I've brought to them. Be it my listeners on air, be it listeners of Harsh Podcasts, my own friends, my family. I just want to be a positive person that impacted them in a good way. Mm. Not in a bad way. Very similar to both of your answers. Yeah. But have we thought about this question? How do we want to die? How would we wish we would die? I I I honestly have thought about this. Okay, I hope that like at the age of maybe 80, 85, when I'm done living, I hope that I just pass in my sleep. Mm. Painless death is what I want. In my sleep. Painless, fast death. That's the way my grandma passed away as well. Mm. Mm. And I think it was the best gift that God could give her. Not a painful death. I Mm. think everyone wants a painless death. Mm. Mm, but it's also the weeks leading up to that or the months or even years that like like your grandparent or like my grandpa who was also you know all tubed up you know couldn't be unplugged from anything it's that pain of you know before the death yeah it's not the actual death so that happened to my grandpa right being tubed out and stuff but for my grandma she couldn't walk in the later maybe five years of her life in the Mm. last five years of her life she had to always rely on someone to to lift her, to carry her. And I know she hated it. To mm. the day of her death, she refused to take a walking stick, you know. So every time she says, I can, I can. And my uncle just has to like, you know, like carry her to the washroom and stuff. And I know she feels very ashamed. She she doesn't feel good about it. And I, I feel like because of this, she wishes that she would die. Mm. Then be alive and have someone do this for her. Mm. So... This is tough. This is tough. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, like I mentioned just now, another hypothetical question. Imagine you are terminally ill and every day feels like a living hell to you, like, basically. Would you opt to sign a, you know, do not save me order? Do just not let resuscitate. Me, yes. So, like, just let me die. Possibly. For me, my answer is a straight yes. Like, I would not want to be suffering on the deathbed. Yeah, yeah, but let me, then let me turn that question around. Let's say that was your parent and your parents on the deathbed and you're about to lose them. This is a good question because my dad has actually communicated this with me. He does not want to be saved. He mm. wants to go. So I know that, okay, this is that choice. I will let him go. But even with that knowledge, 
when you're in that position to make that decision, would you not feel like you just wanna yeah, you wanna do everything to you for can. a little bit longer? Yeah, exactly. I feel like I would be letting him down if I signed the papers because he for the said, doctors to save him. Yeah. Yes, because he told me this is what he wanted. Right. Well, but if I asked yeah. that to my dad, I think my dad would slap me. Eh? He would try, like, try, do you want to be there. resuscitated? Like, I think he would like, yeah. It's such a like out of nowhere kind of thing. Yeah. But that's why you must we must break this stigma, you know, mm. because I feel like it's a crucial conversation to have with our parents. I yeah. know. You send him this podcast link first. Huh, then one. you ask him. <laughs> so next question. Would you prepare your own funeral arrangements before you pass away? For example, would you tell your parents, you know, I'm going to dress up to take a funeral photo today. When I pass, use this photo. Well, you know, I hate those Korean dramas, right? Where they find out that they're dying and then they go walk themselves to the photo studios and take their own death picture. Well, I cannot stand there. Why? It's very sad. Very sad. It's very sad. But it's very true. It's a real it's a right. real thing. It's, it's real, a very real problem. Real. I think as in like this problem would be a lot more serious if I had kids. Because mm. I wouldn't want my kids to have to plan my funeral. Like how heartbreaking is that? So I feel like we can actually start that conversation in a very subtle way. For example, okay. watching Korean TV drama together and then mm. a similar situation happens. Then you, you can go like, hey, you know, like next time maybe when mommy dies, I don't want something like that. Uh. You know, I want what for my funeral. And I have that's never the thought. easier yeah. way like, to and get the point across. And they will remember, you know, they will they remember will. for sure. They will. My mom has communicated with me what she wanted for a funeral and I wow. remember. Oh. Yes. I've never considered like what I would one at my funeral like I've never mm. even thought about it exactly so maybe this episode is a great leading point for us as hosts and our <laughs> listeners <laughs> yes. to really consider you know what we want to do mm. so someone on Reddit actually said that um, I don't want my friends and family to go through that kind of pain of grieving and then still having to arrange a whole funeral I've decided that I want to be cremated so I bought my own spot at a columbarium and I want a Christian funeral. So this person knows exactly what they want, mm, right? Mm. Because it's true. Like, I don't know if I want to be buried or cremated. Mm, I, right. I have never thought about that. Mm. You know, just flip a coin and then just decide. <laughs> oh, who's going to flip that coin? I don't know. Whoever's alive at that time. <laughs> Out of the three of us. <laughs> then the Yugos believe in the afterlife. I don't even want to think about, like, the afterlife. Because to be honest, does it matter to the living what happens after we die? We can't be sure, like, no one can be sure what happens after we die. Right. So what for go worry about it? No one can report back also. Mm. I really truly hope so. Don't report back to me. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Well, I feel like this is a very important topic that this is the first time we have been talking about this on Hush Podcast. Mm. Yeah. I thought it was nice, you know, to It's sort heavy of like though. Mm. It's heavy. Yeah. Yes, but it's crucial at the same time. Mm. So any final advice for people who are afraid of talking about death, especially with their loved ones? I think like you said, um, recognize some opportunities where you can talk about it. Like when you're watching a show mm -hmm. or maybe when a relative passes mm -hmm. and then you can open that conversation with your own family members. Mm -hmm. Right. And I feel like we can all be responsive when death affects a friend or a co-worker. Mm -hmm. Just acknowledge what they have to say, how mm -hmm. they're feeling and just be there for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's better to talk about it and to regret about it when you can't do anything about it anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So with that, let us end off with a quote by Maury Schwartz okay. from Tuesdays with Maury. Mm. The truth is, once you learn how to die, you learn how to live. Wow. I think this is very, very powerful. And perhaps the best way we can learn to do it while still being healthy is to talk about death unflinchingly and not afraid to yeah. explore all options. 
That's true. Right. Okay, this is a slightly heavier topic, but I hope, you know, you guys have something to take away from today's episode. Thank you once again for listening. I'm Hazel. I'm Azura. And I'm Jermaine. Don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube at isclarity.co. Turn on the notification button so you know when new episodes are coming up. Yep. Live a good life, everybody. Listen to us on um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and also me, Listen. That's right. And hopefully, you know, this can encourage you guys to have some more open conversations about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's it for now. We'll see you guys next episode. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.